This is The Plural of You, a podcast about people helping people. I'm Josh Morgan. Carhart is a board member and co-founder of the Illinois Coalition for Responsible Outdoor Lighting, a small group of activists that is raising light pollution awareness in the Chicago area and beyond. He volunteers his time to this and other activities around Chicago and has done so for over four decades. I talked with Drew recently via Skype. We spoke for over an hour about different topics, including his passion for environmental conservation and his role at the Field Museum of Natural History in Chicago. But I decided that this episode should focus on his light pollution work and on how he shares his love of astronomy with members of his community. I believe that Drew sets a strong example for anyone who is concerned about the world's environmental problems. One hindrance between us and lasting change is that many environmental problems seem unsolvable from an all-or-nothing perspective. But say you have a big problem like light pollution, which has emerged only within the last few decades. The problem can be reduced to each individual light bulb in the world if you think about it. Turn off all the ones that are outdoors at night, and the problem would cease to exist. But because no one is capable of doing that alone, light pollution can seem like a lost cause, even though each of us can take responsibility for the light bulbs in our own neighborhoods. Correcting light pollution near our homes won't solve the problems of light pollution everywhere, but it will make our own communities a little nicer to live in. And like you'll hear Drew say, that's worth the effort. Drew talks about the loss of the night due to light pollution with an almost spiritual reverence, like we're losing a part of ourselves and he wants to help restore that experience for future generations. I hope you'll consider the implications of what he has to say, namely that no problem is so big that we have to give up on it. Here's Drew Carhart, board member and co-founder at the Illinois Coalition for Responsible Outdoor Lighting. Hi, Drew. Did you have a good week? Uh, Busy week. I have uh, kind of a confused schedule. I share my time between... uh... Lots of different projects, so uh, I'm constantly changing the uh, part of my brain that's functioning. What kinds of projects are you involved in? I guess I could preface it all. I'm sort of in the phase of my life where I donate my time to various things. So I spend uh, part of my time at the Field Museum helping there, and then I spend part of my time doing my light pollution work, and I also still donate quite a bit of time to my astronomy club so uh it's busy (laughs) yeah it sounds like it so what made you interested in light pollution well i've been interested in everything having to do with nature for my entire life you know my earliest memories really are not of playing with toys as much as being outside you know watching seeds sprout and birds fly and things like that so uh I got interested in the universe around us probably in my early teens and really started to enjoy astronomical work and looking at the planets and the stars. And uh, over that time, I watched the sky over uh, suburban Chicagoland where I grew up and I still live uh, pretty much disappear from view, the nighttime sky that is. Then I started to dig a little bit more deeply and realized how much the issue also uh, affected the other parts of nature that I'm interested in, and also how very little studied that is and has been up to this point. It actually became a more important aspect to myself when I started to realize what changing night into day does out in nature. You know, I'm curious here when you say that, are you trained as an astronomer? Oh, no, that's just an avocation for me. Okay. 
And it's a tremendously fun thing to share with people, too. It's uh, our, my uh, astronomy club, which I actually helped found 40, uh, what is it, 42 years ago now. Oh, wow. We do a lot of outreach, and that's a lot of fun um, to give people views through telescopes that have never seen the craters on the moon or have never seen the rings of Saturn and things like that before. Uh, it's hard to imagine how many uh, amazed exclamations I have heard over the years. You know? <laughs> all, the, all the wows and the, oh my gosh, is there, oh, I don't believe this. And uh, so that's a lot of fun doing that too. Um, but of course, I find that fun on the other end too, when I can show people something through a microscope of, you know, the little things living in water or what a, a fly's wing looks like close up and things. So there's a lot of amazing stuff in nature. Yeah, for sure. So I'd like to talk a little more about your light pollution work. Um, would you mind describing the history of outdoor lighting just to set some context? Sure. To really ground things, you have to realize that human beings are diurnal creatures. We are kind of built to live in the daytime. Uh, we are really dependent on our eyesight, which is not particularly sensitive at night. You have animals like owls and you know, we're familiar with cats and things that are nocturnal and actually a large percentage of animals. Um, I think it's around 60% of mammals are nocturnal. So they probably have much better eyesight at night than we do. So we're very limited and that makes the nighttime kind of scary for us. So we've been adding light to the night probably since we've been humans by, you know, having a campfire or, uh, which eventually evolved into the oil lamp and or into the candle and, uh, Light used to be very expensive back in the days of the oil lamp or the candle. And for the most part, nighttime was still for sleeping. Now, the exception would be when the moon was out in full. That's why we have our, our full moons are named things like the hunter's moon and the harvest moon in the fall, because when the moon was full, you could still work at night. You could go out hunting or you could harvest uh, during the night. Oh, interesting. As our technology developed, our lights got relatively cheaper and uh, more plentiful. So we started using them more at night. Um, of course, then when electricity came around, that made the big difference. But still, even with the early electric lighting, the levels of lighting we were trying to achieve in our cities were basically around that of full moon. It wasn't so you could, you know, read a newspaper or uh, uh, do delicate work you know, out on the street so you could tell where the street was. That seemed quite sufficient to people back then. But as the technology developed, we didn't say, let's use less and less resources and less and less energy and keep this low level of lighting. We kept on adding more lighting. Anybody who dates back to, say, the 60s would remember the kind of bluish glow over the cities. Then the switch to the orange-yellow color of the uh, high-pressure sodium bulbs, which light up a lot of our skies now. Those were all steps that increased the efficiency of creating light. And what we did with every one of those steps was not use less energy. We used more light. So what that ended up with was in the last quarter, really, of the 20th century, a huge explosion in the amount of light that we put out into the environment. And uh, we're talking 10, 20, 30 times as much light oftentimes coming up from a given area. So. Uh, that's where a rapid uh, change in the, say, the loss of stars in the sky came and uh, mm -hmm. probably in these environmental effects we're looking at, too. What are the major problems that concern you with outdoor lighting? Yeah, there's kind of a, a handful. 
what should be a fairly obvious thing is the amount of energy we're using and the amount of energy we're wasting. If you have a light that's twice as bright as you need, that means you're wasting half of the energy. If you have a light that's on for the full night when it only needs to be on for half a night, you're wasting half of the energy. If you uh, are lighting up the sky like we do, if you, if you live in a town or a city and you go out at night and you see the light up on the clouds, that's light that you're consuming electricity for to make. And instead of shining it, instead of shining it where you want it, you're lighting up the clouds with it. So, uh, I mean, if you're never thought about if that. your town or your city said, oh, we're going to have a new program to light up the clouds over the city <laughs> or the bottoms of airplanes flying overhead, you'd say, well, this is stupid. But we do that. And uh, it's basically because the lighting we put in is really poorly designed. So, so anyway, the energy is a huge factor. The environmental impact is something that we're only just starting to appreciate because it's been looked into so little. There are, you know, thousands of other organisms that we share our environment with. Even if you live in a city, there's other living things there. And uh, we have studied individually very, very few species to find out what happens if you go from having light in the day to just starlight or moonlight at night to having uh, artificial lights turned on all night. But in the cases where we've actually conducted studies like this, we found dramatic effects. And it kind of only makes sense. Uh, it's supposed to be dark at night. And uh, right. all of our co-inhabitants of the planet here uh, evolved under that you know, setup. So, Now, what about social effects on humans? That's uh, another thing. We're putting in lighting to make the night viable for us so we can do things. And it's a huge factor in society. It's, for the most part, a very positive thing. On the other hand, you can argue that the 24-hour day is realistic for humans. But certainly, you know, if you live in the temperate United States, the winter nights uh, start pretty early. And if we had to all go home and be in bed at five o'clock, that would be you know, certainly a big change of pace. Oh, right. But on the other hand, um, bad lighting is doing things that are actually negatives. If you go down the street and a light is glaring in your face, uh, that can be a very negative effect. Uh, there's all, oftentimes been a kind of a knee-jerk assumption that any light is good light. And uh, the funny thing is, is in most of our common everyday experience, if we're out at night, you can look and see easily examples of bad lighting. You can say, you know, I had to squint. I couldn't see. There were dark shadows because of this bright light shining in my face. And then an important thing is talking about the health issue because we are animals too. Mm-hmm. It turns out that human beings are extremely photosensitive, and this is really kind of a new concept. If you look at a physiology textbook from in the 1980s or 90s, if there's any mention at all about how photosensitive humans are, it's usually very downplayed or even kind of... Um, Minimized. Right, exactly. Just in the past 15 years, there have been tremendous discoveries about how incredibly photosensitive we are. We like to think that we're in charge of our bodies and you know, in charge of what we do. But mm-hmm. the fact that we need light in the daytime and dark at night to have our body function correctly is very underappreciated. And I think it's something we're going to be hearing a lot more about in the near future. So probably as far as most of us go, a lot of our nighttime light exposure happens in our own indoor spaces that we somewhat control. But on the other hand, that 
light shining in your window from the street light glaring in or from the neighbor's yard or from the business next door or whatever might be having really uh, notable effects on your health. And then the last, the last of the handful of items is the, uh, the losing the stars from the sky. Most of the people around the world really now, but it's certainly in the United States, the vast majority of people live in urban areas. So our children are growing up never knowing what stars look like. Oh, that's sad. Well, it may seem like a trivial thing, but it's going to have societal effects in the long run, too. We have fewer people feeling that connection that the, the Earth isn't the center and, and the only thing out there. <laughs> we're part of a huge universe. And, uh, mm-hmm. and we're taking that away again by not by using light, but by carelessly using light. So given all these problems, in your estimation, why do you think it's so difficult to talk about light pollution in our society? Uh, it's just a matter of awareness. It's partially because of the the very deep-seated fear of the darkness that we just have as a species, which is a shame, too, because when people learn to enjoy the I love the night. I, I, <laughs> being out in, the, right, in, right. in a really dark place, seeing the stars is great, but just using your other senses and hearing the night around you and smelling the night around you is amazing. Yeah, it's comforting in a way. Yeah, it shouldn't be a scary thing, and it's... It's unfortunate when we promote it as, a, you know, especially to children as being afraid of the dark when they shouldn't be. They should learn to enjoy it. But anyway, so it's a uh, ingrained thing as human beings that we, we don't like the dark. Um, you can see that sociologically in our references to the dark. I mean, evil is darkness. Um, darkness falls. Darkness is bad. Darkness is, you know, it's all the negatives, whereas good is bright and light. Mm-hmm. That's a hard hurdle to overcome. But then the other issues are partially how this crept up on us. Um, I'll talk to people in their 40s, 50s, 60s who watched a lot of this change in the amount of light we use outdoors, and they don't realize it. Um, You know, I'll show graphics to illustrate the changes over the again, the last half of the 20th century. And they're like, gee, I lived through that and I didn't realize how much brighter it was, say, in 1990 than it was in 1960 outside. Oh, that's a good point. So it it crept up on people. Then uh, you get to the uh, issue of in society, people still figure, no matter how many times we're sometimes shown the opposite, uh, still people still figure that whoever takes care of this knows what they're doing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I, I oftentimes compare the uh, the light in the environment to things like water pollution. When I was a kid, um, I lived near uh, a moderate-sized river, and there was sewage floating in the river. <laughs> you could see the sludge from the towns up the river floating you know, down the river. It was kind of what you did. You dumped your sewage into the river. And nowadays, we realize how bad that was <laughs> and we're not doing it but back then it was what you did so we assume that somebody is taking care of the street lights that they're getting put in the lights around businesses other things like that they wouldn't have been installed if someone hadn't decided they should be yeah well yeah yeah that, that it's not my problem um i'm trusting yeah they must be experts doing it and it's one of the things that i i was kind of surprised i I've studied some engineering things in the past, but I was really was surprised in getting uh, involved in the outdoor lighting work and looking at the engineering and how it's done of how primitive an awful lot of it is. <laughs> uh, well, here's an example. Um, 
I think a lot of people are aware of energy efficiency standards that apply to a lot of things around us, you know, not just our cars, but your furnace, your, your refrigerator, things like that. They have, they have to meet in the U.S., they have to meet certain efficiency standards. Um, none of the streetlights around you face any efficiency standards. They still don't in the United States. That doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it, when you think about the millions of these things that are, are uh, out there and running every second of every night. But it's just flown under the radar. So that's one of the things that I kind of discovered early on in working in this was... Uh, what needs to be done first is just a raising of awareness that's an issue because society isn't going to change anything that it doesn't realize needs to be changed. So uh, that's become more of my focus and my group's focus has been just get the word out there. And, uh, and again, a lot of it, it's not too hard to explain. It's like I say, go out, I invite anyone to go out at night and drive around for a little while and look at the lights around them and ask, is this light? needed is it shining its light where it the activity is where it's supposed to be lighting up an area or is it shining light all across the universe instead so uh, mm -hmm. uh, some of it's quite obvious but again it's something that we really haven't tackled much as a society uh, that's why i uh chose it as my focus issue it's a bit uncharted yeah it's waiting for people to pick it up and carry the banner and uh, make it uh, more of a public issue so where's your group been successful in the past? Uh, what's been most effective for us is to go where we're asked to go. When a community comes to us and says, we're looking at our lighting situation, we would like to do this job right that we have to do, or maybe um, we've helped in some cases where they actually wanted to create a local ordinance for outdoor lighting. Those have been very constructive arrangements. and. They've happened kind of randomly uh, uh, several years ago. Now, um, we were contacted by a county uh, here in northern Illinois, and uh, they were looking at digital billboards coming in, and they were interested in it from the light point of view because they realized these things put out 30,000, 40,000 uh, watts of light into the night. Mm -hmm. And I actually had to uh, do some studying myself how to compare one of these digital billboards to a, a standard, you know, painted billboard with light shining on it. And we actually helped them draw up one of the first ordinances in the country for regulating digital billboards. There wasn't a lot of existing work on that because they're a new technology. And so uh, that wasn't something that we had ever set out to do as a group, but it ended up being a very interesting thing to study. And actually, our work is still quoted on that. That's great. I see it in the practice around here of how bright the billboards are. When I see a billboard that's turned down to a nice level at night, I think, well, it's nice. We, I think we had something to do with that. So, but there's things <laughs> well, like that's that. Great. There's things like that. Again, it's been, yes, I've never been much of a political activist. I'm not a uh, mm -hmm. stand up and scream at the meeting person. <laughs> that's not been my nature. Um, I've had a lot of heated discussions with people. Back in that instance, we had people from two of the biggest outdoor advertising companies in the country come and meet with us. And uh, it was kind of fun, you know, that they thought, hey, look, this little group is worth picking on. But <laughs> they actually changed their attitude on some things, which was which was nice. So you helped establish the precedent in some ways. In some ways, yeah. Because uh, and now 
it's still an issue that's hotly being argued around the place. But as a small activist group, you know, a conservation group here uh, to have some effect in that was good. But again, it was a matter of it wasn't us just writing letters to uh, the billboard companies or to cities that had never heard of us or whatever. It was that we we were willing to step in and help uh, and provide some expertise. I know you're also involved in encouraging astronomy among young people and amateurs. How are you involved in that? Well, my area astronomy club here, we actually founded when I was in high school and uh, we were an odd bunch of kids who wanted to do way more than the high school would let us do. So so we formed, <laughs> we formed an independent group, which is still here now. It's impressive. I, I'm, for some reason, I've stuck with it all these years, but a little bit of it had to do with us starting out as a group of kids. We started out with this very active uh, young attitude, and we ended up building a club that looked a little bit more like that. We had a more diverse membership, and we did a lot of stuff. But one of our focuses all along was the public outreach, because we saw the importance of it, but it also it's, it's an incredibly pleasurable thing to do. I still delight in it. You know, it's the, uh, I, it's interesting. I, I think I've heard from other amateurs, they're thinking when they, when we do a youth group, they're thinking, gee, maybe one of these kids will go on to be an astronomer someday. And I don't set that as my, <laughs> my goal. I think more like, gee, maybe when this kid is 17, someone will say something about astronomy. And instead of saying, oh, yuck, science, they'll say, oh, I did that once. That was cool. <laughs> that's that's all I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for that little bit of uh, an attitude change that somebody now appreciates that how neat it is to look up and see the craters on the moon, you know, how, how mm-hmm. or to have somebody explain to them that this nebula they're looking at, the you know, the light came from it 2,000 years ago and it's just shining in their eye now or something mm-hmm. like that. Little things like that. So if I wanted to reduce light pollution in my community, mm-hmm. where would you recommend I start? The, the I guess the good starting place would be to familiarize yourself with the issues a little bit. We try on our organization's website to provide a good grounding in the ideas of what we're talking about with good lighting versus bad lighting or uh, the good effects of lighting, bad environmental effects of lighting. So to learn to recognize the differences and then to look around your community and think about what actually applies in your community. If it's a smaller town, it may be uh, an issue of people's lighting practices. You know, do the businesses leave their lights on all night in the parking lot when there's nobody there and they could, you know, they could put in a timer that would turn them off at when the half the night is over and uh, save a lot of energy and things. It might be a matter of raising community awareness more about these practices. A large issue today is that municipalities are switching out to new streetlights, which they're told they will save money on. And they're not thinking while they're doing that about whether they're good streetlights or bad streetlights. Are they also thinking about whether, gee, do these shine into people's house windows? Do they do the job that's needed. Do we need this much light? Do we need more mm-hmm. light? So taking advantage of that situation and acting now to influence what streetlights are chosen is a big deal because they won't get changed out for another 20, 30, 40 years. 
It depends on your community, but like I say, getting informed a little bit about all of these issues is a good place to start. Seeing if you can get other people on board with you is a big thing. Uh, Having uh, uh, even a small group of people, you know, if there's three people in a community who are wanting to push this sort of issue a little bit uh, is a lot better than working by yourself. So Mm -hmm. it can be, (laughs) can be disheartening working by yourself after a while, you know, when you feel like you're, you're, when you're the lone, you know, voice out there that's trying to uh, get a, a point across. But, you have to remain positive about things and realistic about things. It's hard for amateur astronomers. They would like to see all the stars come back at once, and that's not going to happen. We're not going to revert to the sky of you know 1960 or 1970 in a week here now. It'll happen eventually, I think, but my attitude has always been that I can't guarantee you know, a positive thing is going to happen from this work that I'm doing, but I can guarantee that positive things aren't going to happen if I don't do the work. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. Now, what about porch lights at people's residences? What are your thoughts on those? We have a paper on our website where I address that. To me, the uh, the obvious thing, people are looking for security. Uh, they want to feel safe. And is our porch lights contributing to the majority of that sky glow over the cities? No, but they're still consuming energy and they're still dumping light out into the night. In reality, there aren't any good studies that show that porch lights are going to keep your house from being uh, burglarized. Two-thirds of burglaries, residential burglaries, happen during the daytime. So that's the FBI's figures. That kind of indicates, when you you think about it logically, darkness isn't the threat there. The logic is that the bur- more burglaries happen during the daytime because the burglars know that you're off at work and it's safer than to break in your house when there's nobody home rather than at night when you are home. Right. That makes sense. But the porch light doesn't make it any safer. You could even argue that the burglar needs the light, too, to break in. They um, don't see any better in the dark than anybody else. The flip side of that is if you want to look at studies and what's actually effective, having having the porch light on a motion sensor does seem Uh, in some studies to have a positive effect because instead of the light just being on all night, it actually flips on when somebody comes by and that's more likely to attract the neighbor's attention. If your light's on all the time, your neighbors don't sit and stare over at your front door all night long to make sure nobody's coming by. But if the light flips on, it more catches somebody's attention. And also the person going by outside doesn't know whether you turned it on inside and saw them. So uh, that that seems to be a discouraging thing. But if it's on all the time, very little effect. So from my point of view, it's not just look at the energy waste and not just look at the environmental impact of it, but what's the reason for doing it in the first place? So looking forward, what do you find encouraging about the issues of light pollution? There are people around the world who are actively doing research, and that's a huge thing. Again, especially when you're talking about the environmental issues and the health issues, they are so little explored. To me, it's rather obvious that we turn on lights outside, it's going to change things ecologically. I I don't see how you could develop a model of nature where that wouldn't happen. But what we need is more data. We need more actual research that says this is the kind of thing that's happening. And so that kind of work is being done. I mean, there are simple things I can say, go out and look at the streetlight 
you know, this June uh, out on your street and see all the insects flying around it. They're not supposed to be there. I mean, <laughs> you've right, got right. right there in front of you showing that that light is affecting the environment. But we need more data on that. Um, we need part of that is we need a much better understanding on the different colors of light, which is a, a non-obvious issue to us as humans. All we care about is whether we can see, you know, down the street or see a person coming towards us. But the color of light, the spectral quality has huge effects. Yeah, because different organisms see in different spectrums, right? Very much so, yeah. So when we're talking about this changing out our street lights from the yellowy high-pressure sodium lights to now the LEDs coming in, we're not just talking about the same amount of light and switching a bulb and that's no different. We're talking about changing the universe out there as far as the light at night. And uh, again, we need more research on that to guide how that's done better. But it's the encouraging thing, you asked for encouraging, the encouraging thing is that there are people doing that research. And the health issue things, every time I see an article in the popular media that touches on the subject of why you shouldn't be staring at your tablet, you know, at midnight and having a shine in your face. Oh, yeah, right. So just broadening the awareness that light is not a benign thing. It's a, it can be a tremendously positive, wonderful thing, but it's also a potent thing. Right. So you mentioned your website earlier. Where can we follow you and your groups online? Well, for our lighting work, we're Illinois Lighting. That's one one word. Dot org is our, our website there. And again, we have a lot of information. I really enjoyed it when I read through it, by the way. Mm-hmm. I think you did a good job. Well, we're always trying to uh, think of resources to add there. And if those are usually based on inquiries we get. Uh, you know, it's a Again, like your question about porch lights. Uh, so we have a page there where we address that. The uh, well, my astronomy club for anyone in Chicago land. If you, uh, it's a, we're uh, based in uh, the suburb of Naperville, and uh, so if you Google uh, the words Naperville and astronomy, you will come up to the top of that list. What if someone wanted to contact you? What would be the best way to do that? Uh, through our website, we have an email contact set up there and uh, we get a lot of requests and uh, from all around the world if people are within illinois we'll come and uh, give programs we'll come and talk to the city council or to the conservation group or whatever i probably do six outreach events a year myself uh, on average and then if you just go to telephone requests and things like that you know once or twice a month oh wow okay I never would have been able to predict the assortment of people and places and organizations that we've been contacted by, but it's great, you know, because again, it's a wide reaching thing. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I can talk like solution <laughs> forever. Well, I really admire the work you're doing. So thank, well, thank you, you so much. Well, thanks for your interest. All right. Sounds good, Drew. Have a good day. You too. This has been The Plural of You, and I'm Josh Morgan. The show's website is pluralview.org. That's all for now. Thank you for being kind today. Take care.